Clubhouse. Welcome to Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home with your hosts, Beth Kushnick and Caroline Daly. Hey, Beth, this is Caroline. I'm so excited to have us back for season four of Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home. This is going to be an amazing season. Are you so excited or what? I am so excited, Caroline. It's so great to be back for season four. We have great guests, great info, and great listeners' questions to answer. Always, always. I want to know what you DIYers out there are trying to do and, you know, how those projects are coming along. Because, Beth, this is the time of year when I feel like it's cold outside. We're all kind of like doing these projects entrenched in our homes, you know, where it's like you got to open a window, man, because like those DIY projects. (laughs) (laughs) What are we working on this week? We're talking about the craft of reupholstering furniture pieces when this supply chain issues took hold of all of us and furniture was hard to get, I sort of rediscovered this idea of making a new piece by reupholstering it. I'm doing that for both private clients and on set. That's amazing. So you guys, while we're definitely going to be bringing you more interviews that take you behind the scenes of the set deck biz, we are going to continue to bring tips and tricks that can be used in your own home. And again, like Beth said, we're going to be talking about upholstery this week. Tell me a little bit about how upholstery plays in your work on the set, because it's got to be really different when you have to deal with sound and these like fake walls and stuff like it's not the same as it works out in your own home. Well, actually, I'm lucky enough to have a vendor and upholsterer who is a master at his craft. The thing about it is he is turning around pieces almost quicker than I can get them off a showroom floor. The way that I work on set is the fabric store that I work with a lot happens to be down the street from the upholsterer. And believe it or not, most of the time I do it all by photographs and we text back and forth and I pick a fabric and he walks it over to the upholsterer. I have either my Teamsters when I'm working on a job or my movers when I'm working for a private client move the piece and he just gets it done. It's amazing how it looks like new. He can restuff cushions. You can do the same by buying batting and, you know, make your old cushions look new. It really helps me tell a character story. It's a another layer of character-driven work that I can do by picking out these specific character-based fabrics. So when you're doing that, Beth, I, I mean, in my own head, I think, you know, heavy, dark, thick fabrics, that to me is like old money or or like kind of more somber or something like that, whereas like light and cottony and airy fabrics, like that makes me think like youthful and, you know, I don't know, more whimsical, that type of thing. How do you go about thinking about each individual character and what the fabrics you use around them say about them? It's true that a certain type of fabric evokes a certain period and 
style, you know, I, when I was doing the film Hide and Seek and, and we were doing Robert De Niro's daughter's bedroom and she was living in this country house and we wanted it to feel vintage and warm and inviting. I took pieces of furniture that were actually my mother's that hadn't seen the light of day in a long time and needed some TLC. I got fabrics that were even printed in a way where they looked almost tea-stained, you know, uh, vintage and beautiful cabbage roses. And that whole palette became the palette for the room that we did. It just drives a character. You know, when we're doing something slick and modern, you choose a different kind of fabric and a different frame. You're now not looking at a sofa that's available, but you're looking at the frame because the fabric doesn't matter. It's going to get changed over. And I actually have some private clients who I've done that with where they just can't settle on any kind of fabric in the store with what they provide. So it's called customer provided fabric and we just go and buy the yardage and then the company delivers that sofa or that chair in our fabric. That's amazing. So they actually go ahead and do the all the upholstery for you. Sure. You know, many vendors, you can get a sofa quickly in the fabric that they provided in. You can take a little longer and get them to reupholster or actually upholster the sofa in the fabric that you provide. So give me some type of like categories. Like I'm trying to think of different stereotypes that we have in film or in TV shows, like, you know, like the villain or, or the hero or whatever. Are there certain types of fabrics that just you just are drawn to right away if you want to show that sort of like evil side, like beyond just colors? There are other things about texture or pattern or anything that that people can kind of like pick up on as cues watching. Well, I tend to not use any shiny fabric because we don't like to shoot shiny things. I like to use fabric that will give, but, you know, not wrinkle and be okay when an actor's sitting on a sofa. We choose fabrics that go within the palette. So when we're putting together a room or a set, we pick the paint color first, and then we pick the fabrics and the floor coverings next. I like to do things that are complementary. Maybe they stay within a certain palette. More recently, for a private client, the whole entire redecoration of her apartment took place by recovering the furniture. It was furniture that she had had for a while, and I shopped for a certain color palette that she liked, you know, almost one color, but all different patterns that really complemented each other. We redid all the furniture in fresh fabric. Anyone at home can look. There are mom-and-pop upholstery shops. It's an art, but they're still around. You can seek them out. They tend to be there. They might be listed under, you know, drapery, 
they might not necessarily be listed under reupholstery, but there are these craftsmen who do the work. Sometimes they'll even pick up your furniture and bring it back to you. They'll help you with things like how many yards you need. It's a way to really make uh, an heirloom that you might have that looks too period, looks too antique, make it a modern piece and make it your own. Makes me think of these wingback chairs from my great grandparents that were like avocado green. Yep. <laughs> I wish those were still around because those would be fantastic bones. And if you did those in a, you know, a neutral tone or a linen fabric, they would look completely modern and new. The other thing that's really interesting about reupholstering things is trim on chairs or ottomans. All these little details can make something look modern. There is a process of finishing a sofa or a chair. You know how it's got a little trim, a little contrasting trim, you could sure. have, or it's called a self-welt, which means that the fabric that you're using for the piece, you use for the trim as well. These are all things, whether you use nail heads, whether you use fringe, all this stuff is available in trimmings and notions in a fabric store. It may be expensive, but you could take a piece like an ottoman and get a really expensive piece of fabric because you might need only one yard and then some really great trim. And you can do some of these projects yourself. So beyond looking up upholstery shops, because I'm sure that there are definitely places that they're not going to find something so specific. But if you look up maybe an antique shop or something like that, at least maybe they could head you in the right direction or they might have someone in-house that does deal with upholstery. Exactly. You can also look into warehouse sales where the upholstery might have been damaged Big box stores now have outlets, and in that outlet, you might find a really expensive sofa or a headboard or a chair that has some damage, and you could reupholster it in a fabric of your choice and make it a completely new piece for probably half the price. That's a huge tip because that's one of those things where, you know, you see something and you're like, oh, man, it has a rip in it or it has a big, you know, scuff mark or stain or whatever on the fabric. And you think, well, oh, well, like that one's not for me. But it's 100 percent not only just salvageable, but it's 100 percent you can make it shine again. You can. And upholsters know how to do things, little tricks like say you saw a headboard at an outlet and the, the front of the headboard is damaged but the back is perfectly fine. They could literally sew fabric just to the front. Or you can do my, my old trick and um, think about upholstering a chair with a different fabric for the back and uh, a different fabric for the, the pillows and the front side of it. I love that tip so much, Beth, because so many of us have, you know, some sort of open layout where, mm -hmm. you know, people can see it from the kitchen and but you're also seeing it from from the hallway or from the foyer. And you might want it to look different when you're looking from different points of view. I never considered the idea of like complementary fabrics on the front and back that are different. 
on the same piece of furniture because yeah. that truly is a custom look. Believe me, when you choose those two fabrics that go together, no one else will have that combination. It will be true to, to your own home and uh, it really works. I love how it pulls spaces together. You know, I feel like I've walked so many, you know, open houses or whatever, where you feel like, yes, this is an open layout. But at the same time, you know, you still feel like people are delineating because it's like, oh, this is only this, this kind of vibe in this space. And then this is only this vibe. And it's like, yeah, but you want there to be some flow and and fabric can do that. It, absolutely. It's a way of unifying the space. You know, you could take a fabric and have pillows made for your sofa and if if you have your living room, dining room, open concept, and then put the fabric on the seat of your dining room chairs. It's a subtle way of unifying everything. And if you think about it, the pillows are facing you. So you're seeing that fabric in a different way. And the seats of the dining room chairs are on another level. They're not facing you. They're horizontal, right? Our pillows are vertical, yeah. And our seats are like horizontal. That makes sense. Yeah, so you're seeing the pattern differently. It's a small trick, but it allows your eye to sort of pull it all together. You know, it um, makes everything feel like you meant it. Yeah, very purposeful. And there's also, I think there's like a need for all of us visually to like find a pattern, find something that looks the same or similar that you can kind of bring together in a space. And so when you see that, I think, I think, I don't know, it sounds kind of funny, but it makes me like more calm when I feel yes. like spaces all gel together. Yeah. Also, you know, uh, an upholsterer is almost a magic maker. Um, I've had my upholsterer come and literally he took measurements and created a skirt on a, a swivel chair. I saw these swivel chairs in a store and they were sitting on a rather fluffy rug. So you didn't see the workings of the swivel. And when they were delivered to my client's house, there is that ugly metal black swivel right in the middle of the room. I got my upholsterer to come over and he literally lied on the floor and took a measurement and created a template for what was, a, a, you know, a couple of inches of a skirt and he sewed that skirt onto the swivel chairs, and it looked so much like it meant we meant it. It looked like it had come with the chairs. It finished them, and it finished off the whole room. And it took out that, like, mechanical portion of it, right? right? Like, where right. it just seemed cozy. And it wasn't a frilly skirt. You know, he made it very tailored with folds. And it, it, it's like the difference between a frilly bed skirt and, you know, a tailored one. It made the chairs look so great and so upscale because I was using really good fabric. I always think about ways to do high-low and where would be a good place to spend. A few things in terms of fabric, 
it's always good to spend a little more. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about that, because I think that that is something that people don't really have a good handle on. How much does a yard of any particular fabric cost? I think that they could walk in both surprised at some, some are actually very manageable, and then some are very expensive. And to kind of understand, like, you can still use that very expensive stuff just on smaller projects. Sure, you could buy fabric, a yard of an intricate embroidered fabric for $200 a yard. You could just buy a yard and just do a bench or just do an ottoman. The thing about upholstery fabrics is they do have to be a certain weight. When they're not a certain weight, you do what's called backing. You send fabric out to a company and they back the fabric with an opaque other fabric so it can be used for upholstery. But if you're going to do home projects, the best thing to do is to look at a fabric store in the upholstery section because upholstery fabrics do require a certain weight. So when you say weight, for those who are brand new to fabric, describe what weight is. I would say that it's more that they're not see-through because remember, you're putting this fabric over a frame or, you know, over batting or uh, cushion material. So you don't want a fabric that's that when you hold it up, it's see-through. Okay. So if you find something that you fall in love with that is see-through, they can fuse it with some backing and, and basically thicken up your fabric. Yeah. But it's, it's like better. wearing a slip, if you will. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. If that dress is too thin, yeah. wear a slip. So there you go. So it's the same thing with your fabric. If you put it on there and you're like, oh, no, I can I can totally see everything. That's OK. There, there's still things that you can do to make sure you still get the pattern that you want. So, of course, we're going to expect to pay more for heavier weight fabric, correct? Not necessarily. Good to know. OK, tell me. Well, you know, there's certain fabrics like you can also just have a slip cover made. You can you can buy slip covers, but you could have a slip cover made. Uh, my, my own sofa is slip covered, but in a way that looks like the sofa is reupholstered. And again, it's a, an amazing thing when someone comes to take a pattern to make a slipcover, a real, you know, experienced upholsterer, he can just create a pattern with muslin. He takes that back to his shop and follows the pattern. Or sometimes when you have a slipcover, you can take it off the sofa or chair and give it to him and he doesn't even need the furniture. That is super smart because that would that would work so well for you to make sure you get exactly the fit you're expecting. Sure. And you can pick a, a fabric, say a, a summertime fabric and, you know, change it up and you have a new piece of furniture. I think it's especially the wintertime, like when I feel like, man, I want something cozier. I want something thicker. Like I want something with that. I don't know necessarily like a velvet texture, but you know, like something with texture, you know, as opposed to the summertime when I'm like hot and sweaty and I don't want anything touching my skin. You know, it's like there's a different feel. You can use chenille. You can use velvet. Just a, a more rich fabric and also color. You can choose uh, jewel tones or uh, darker colors for the winter. Every single time I'm in a big box store and they have some sexy, like, navy blue velvet 
couch. I'm like drawn to it like a siren song. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I need this couch in my life. And I never buy it, but I always think it's awesome. And I always want it. But now I can simply get slipcovers and enjoy it during my winter months if I so choose. You can also have slipcovers that you buy right off the internet that may not necessarily be the perfect thing for your sofa. It's like getting a piece of clothing altered. You could have the slipcover altered. Smart. So personalized, customized. Yep. A, you know, big box store slipcover is very doable. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. How do I even begin when I'm trying to think about things like color palette? You know, we just talked about jewel colors for the winter time, perhaps. What what am I even going to start with? Like what types of fabrics? What works best on on furniture generally? Anything really that falls in a category of upholstery. It can be cotton. It could be velvet. It could be chenille. Um, it could be ultra suede. Any fabric that feels a little heavier. Think about when you see a fabric in a small pattern, what that small pattern is going to look like on a huge sofa. You you need a lot of yardage (laughs) of it and it, it may not translate. Or if it's a big pattern, you know, say it's a big nature pattern with trees and birds. And, you know, you think about, well, where is the pillow going to end? Right in the middle of the bird's face? (laughs) You you know, you have to think about, (laughs) really have to try to picture it large. It may be worth it to buy a couple of yards and lay it over your piece of furniture and see if that's the fabric for you. You know, if you really fall in love with it and you don't like what it's going to be on the sofa, you could use it for an ottoman or a bench or something else. Do you have any tips about proportion for things like that? Because I think that I know people who fall in love with things like a really tiny, like rosebud type pattern, right? And then they get Mm -hmm. it on a couch and it almost reads like polka dots because the pattern was like so small. It really didn't, it really doesn't read the way you thought it was going to on a larger piece. Is there any guidance at all that you can offer? I know, gosh, those huge flowers are so popular right now, whether Mm -hmm. it be wallpaper or it be fabric. How can you try to really imagine what that's going to look like in a room on a large piece of furniture? Well, the best way is to maybe buy a couple of yards, but think of your furniture frame. So if you have a big sectional, a chunky sectional, then I wouldn't go for a small patterned floral and match the two of them together. You know, you want to stay with like kind. If you have a big chunky sectional, you might just look for a solid and then do the little patterns in the pillows, you know, something that you can control. So it's really more that you're looking at the piece as a whole and adding the element of the fabric to it it sort of dictates itself. So fabric also has an interesting way of either being able to like pump up the volume or like calm things down. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen it where, you know, gosh, this, this, this trend makes me crazy, Beth. And I, <laughs> what's your pet peeve? All right. My pet peeve is 
We have these great sectional pieces that have come out in the last, I'm going to say, five, 10 years that are packed with technology. They've got recliners, uh-huh. they've got plugins, they've got all this stuff. But with that comes these hideous electrical cords hanging out the back of them. And, and also just they tend to be cold leather you know, for for lack of better terms, like bachelor looking kind of pieces where you feel like you're a little like getting a little 1980s vibe, you know, it's a little too contemporary. But at the same time, they're so practical. That's the thing that drives me nuts. Like, I do want my feet up. I do want to plug my phone in. Like, I do want these things, but I'm missing the cozy of the fabric. How can I use upholstery to mitigate some of those things, whether it be with throw pillows, blankets or whatnot? What can I do to kind of warm those like really practical pieces up? I think in those cases, you're really left to, at this point, pillows and throws. And I would use those really chunky knitted throws because it's another element to kind of warm it up. But unfortunately, I think those haven't caught up with style yet. <laughs> They're more function. <laughs> See, you are. know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, you know I what do. I mean? Those curved sectionals uh-huh. that they just, but they're so practical. Like I cannot debate with someone who says, I want a charged phone. I want my feet up. I don't want to, you know, lay across my couch. I want that recliner. It's so hard to like debate that on. But then when you get to the style of it and the, and the actual like overall how it takes over a room, it's like, oh, what can we do to tamp this vibe down? My first sofa that I bought many, many years ago, I purposely went to the back of the upholstery book. You know, in those days... They didn't have everything online. And, uh, you know, the way that you looked at the choices were different. They had an upholstery book. And the first five fabrics were the ones that everybody chose. And me being me, I didn't want that. And I went to the back of the book and I picked out a green, dark green damask pattern and and the person who was selling me my sofa said, nobody's ever chosen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Are you sure you want that fabric? Because we've never made a sofa in that fabric. I said, yes, I'm absolutely sure. It was my sofa that I had in many different apartments for a lot of years of my life. What I would recommend to people is if you're already going to get that kind of lack of style, but more about function piece, Uh you know, maybe if it's seen in gray and beige, you don't want to do that. Maybe you want to go for a different choice. And maybe they have that in a navy or something a little different. And I think that's part of changing it up and not doing what's so expected. I feel like leather is so hard to compete with when you have it in such a large piece as a huge sectional that it does tend to kind of take over the room. So surely I know, thank goodness, you are a lover of curtains and and rugs and other fabric, essentially. Yeah, I would say when you have a big leather piece, 
go a little bolder on the other fabric. Like I'm saying, go extra chunky on a throw. Put pillows on it that are more bold and a rug that's the same. Something that counterbalances the largeness of the sectional. I love that. That's exactly what I was groping for the word balance. How do I balance the cold sleekness of leather in a room that I want it to be inviting and cozy? And don't get me wrong. I love well-worn leather, but sadly, it's very rare you get to purchase a piece that already has that really cool, people have been lounging on this for forever. Look, you end up with that squeaky clean, you know, plasticky feel that you're like, ah, this is too much and hard to deal with. What I would also recommend is I I think you have to think about size and scale. That is not a piece that will do with two pillows and one throw. So the way that you can look as if you meant it and you're embracing it, actually the size of it, is to balance the pillows and and the throws with the size of the piece. So I would get two or maybe three throws, the same ones, that then makes it a more unified thing. You know, you put a throw on either side and where it meets in the middle. The same thing with the pillows. You know, not to have 10 throw pillows, but, you know, it's <laughs> it's not a place. It, it won't solve the problem if you put two throw pillows on it. You know, go yes. for four. It go looks for so more. sad. Yeah. <laughs> they're all That's alone. <laughs> right. And they're usually at, at two opposite ends of the entire couch. Right. <laughs> like, right. Like, oh. <laughs> Even even if you do something that works like a, a Dory print and you get four different ones or two matching and another two matching, but, you know, decide on a look and then unify it with that look. I love it. And that's the that's the wonderful thing that upholstery can do because you have so many different colors and patterns that you can mix and match. It's really an, an amazing way to elevate a room and feel like you've put so much thought into how you're combining your pieces. It does. And there are so many different options at so many different price points. Say it just in in Dory pillows alone. I mean, you can have the real antique ones or you can have a fake that looks so good and is really available. So Beth, where do you suggest that people find inspiration? I know we have things like, you know, apps and and online. Of course, you can go wandering, but that can be feeling like you're going down a rabbit hole. Like, can you guide us a little bit about where do you either either collect those inspirations or or do we using magazines? What are we using? You know, I think a good way to be inspired is just home decor websites. Home decor websites are are sort of doing the job by curating everything and doing these room settings and you see a lot of stuff and maybe it's not exactly what you're looking for but an element from one page of the website pillows or artwork or lighting is something that you like uh, with another page of the website and I just think that looking at the top 20 home decor stores is really a good vibe into what's out there and what's available. You know, I always love just walking the aisles, shopping in 
any low-priced home decor store, you know, you never know what you're going to see. I don't know. The decorator or more decorator things that are out there, they're good inspiration. I think they're sort of harder to navigate and they're not as accessible. Okay. I agree with you that, you know, someone took a lot of time and effort to create the set of those home decor stores. So it's great when you can get a chance to see like, well, how would they set up a couch plus a, you know, an ottoman plus a lamp plus whatever. And you can't, you can grab a lot of ideas. Now I know for me, I have to screenshot those things, put them all in one folder in my phone so that when I am at the store or if I am shopping online later, I can easily flip through my photos and be like, yes, yes, this one looks most similar. Because my brain plays tricks on me, Beth. Mm-hmm. I think I know what color I saw that thing. Or I <laughs> think I know what pattern it looks like. And then I'm in the store and I'm like, <laughs> I don't remember. And I'll bring it back and I'm like, yeah, no, this was not the shade. <laughs> this isn't what I meant at all. So having that, I know that you have like flip books and, and other ways that you do like hard copy versions of basically vision board type things. Do you have any tips for our listeners about, you know, the best ways that you kind of keep those ideas in one place? I do a lot on on Instagram, I'd say. I, I do a lot of searching, and one thing leads me to another. Uh, I hope that my Instagram is inspiring to some. I just collect photos of things I like and things that I think I will find a way to use, especially on set different wallpapers and and paint companies too you know when you see the color of the year and how it's displayed or used in a setting that's good inspiration i think there are a lot of ways even even shopping for fabrics you know just buying a yard or two or half a yard of a fabric and bringing it home and draping it over the sofa that will help you get the visual I mean, doesn't it feel like once you get one piece in place, I feel like other pieces fit in kind of like Tetris-y. I know that you must have projects where it's like absolutely no pieces fit. (laughs) Like you get all these great pieces, but when you get them together, you're like, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? That's that's a a rash judgment that I make. Oh, tell me about this rash judgment. (laughs) This is... A good wife story, typical. You know, we we reused sets so much that often we were repainting, re-wallpapering, reusing sets. And I swear, whenever a ground plan had, you know, a queen size bed and two end tables fit in into a niche, I would get the redo of the set that. Of course, had only a room for one end table. And I would... (laughs) Right. I'm like, ooh. (laughs) You know, because I always do the the floor plan first, the furniture layout, you know, and then we bring in the lighting and then we bring in the art and smalls and everything. And I, I just... I would hate to have the set dressers put the furniture down and then I'm like, no, this doesn't work and they have to move it again. Although that's 
what they do and they tell they like to tell me that it's okay we don't do things uh once we don't do things twice we do things thrice so uh, <laughs> which is important um, for you home people to, to think about yes. is that it is not like oh i made each decision individually now i put it in the room one time if it doesn't look perfect then i ruined it all it's not like that at all right yeah you know chairs that i've thought about using in a bedroom uh, in one direction ended up in another you know it's a lot of trial by error it is a really good thing to allow yourself to do that believe me as a set decorator number one just because it's on a floor plan it doesn't mean that in real life and in three-dimensionality it works it doesn't always work and it could be measured perfectly for a floor plan but you know things shift and change and you make decisions based on that you know i'm i'm shopping with a private client right now uh, you know we measured for a piece of furniture and that's what i looked for something in that measurement and it just doesn't work anymore you have to be adaptable and not judge yourself and try things out and be willing to be flexible, right? Like you said, if you come in with yes. two end tables and it turns out only one works, then only one works. You know, maybe you have use for that in another room. Who knows? You don't have to exactly have a fabric collection, but you might buy that one yard and try it and it doesn't work. And, you know, you could save that fabric and maybe then go out and look for the piece that you want, the ottoman or the small bench or something that you want for that one yard of fabric that you bought. And that's also maybe a good time to use like a, like an heirloom item, something yes. that you might have that just requires a small bit of fabric. Mm -hmm. Those are projects, you know, very often the seats just pop out, you know, they're, they're screwed down and it's, it's an easy job with a staple gun. That's the main tool. Those are your main tools for upholstery, right? Don't get in there trying to do it with some sad little stapler. You need that industrial big guy, right? Real thing, yeah. Get the real thing. It's worth it. Are there any other tools if you're home upholstering that you would say, look, just get it? I know it seems like you don't need it, but just get it. It'll make it so much easier. Uh, I have good scissors. I would say shears even. Yes, yes. Let's get nuts, Beth. Okay. Let's get shears. Good. <laughs> and then be careful your fingers, people, okay? <laughs> don't do what Caroline does. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Okay, so any other okay, so any other tools though? I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's like there's like cutting boards and there's like, you know, gosh, exacto knives and stuff no, like that. No, like, no, 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 no. Don't no, 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 it. don't do that, people. No. <laughs> that's dangerous. That's the don't do list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So we're definitely going to stick. How are we measuring this stuff? What else? What other things do we need? How do we know how much yardage? Those are guides that are easily accessible online. Just what the average sofa takes, what the average chairs take. I tend to overbuy because in the end, I'm going to bring that fabric into the room somewhere else. I like to add 10 or 15%. 
That's an important, important part, you guys. The last thing you want to do is be yanking on that fabric <laughs> to get it under that freaking seat, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> I, can you I can, can you imagine it, Beth, in your head? I can see that fabric straining and that little trying to jam that staple into it. But really, upholsters can tell you when, when they see the item. It's such an old-fashioned art and craft and yet what we do by texting back and forth works so you can text a picture and an upholsterer can tell you easily they can also give you an approximate price of what it would cost and that's important it's an important decision to make as to whether it's more cost effective or more meaningful to you to use an old frame or to buy a frame uh, you know buy a sofa and have it redone so you can always get estimates before you send the piece over so I know, Beth, it, it obviously it changes a lot depending on the quality of the fabric. But in terms of labor for something like something simple, like a dining chair, could you give us even ballpark of what we should expect or what, what we should know is like, okay, that, that's within the range I should, I should expect to pay? Well, for just changing out the seat, that's something that I recommend that you do on your own. It really depends on how complicated it is, but I would say for an average sofa, it could be anywhere from 800 to 1500 So that's very reasonable when you're considering replacing it entirely. Yes, usually. And, and I'm giving it New York prices. So. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe if you don't live in the big city, you might be able to get away with something less, but you shouldn't be shocked if it's something, no, you know, as shocked. high as that. In a weird way, it might be interesting to note that I tend to find upholsters more available in the winter months. They're not as crazed Fascinating. Why would that be? Yes. A lot of upholstery shops don't have air conditioning. They're, you know, big spaces. So it's harder for them to work in the summertime. And I think the whole art of upholstering is something that people think about refreshing for the summer and, um, slip covers and stuff like that. And I, I don't know, around the holidays, maybe uh, people want their work complete. Right now, if I was to send something to my upholsterer, I'd get it back pretty, pretty darn quickly. That's awesome, Beth. Speaking of that, what is a generally a good time frame to expect? Like if you're like, okay, I have family coming for, you know, this date, how far out before that do I want to start my upholstery projects? Really a month or more, I think. Okay. Give yourself time, people. Yeah. Do not. Yeah. This is not like a weekend no. kind of situation. <laughs> no. And the the ebb and flow of their workload will dictate when you get your piece back. Okay, Beth. So now everyone's been taking notes feverishly throughout this episode. And if they haven't, then they're going to replay this with their notebook and get all their information. But let's give them three takeaways right at this point that they can lock in before they head out to go figure out their fabric. Find a piece of furniture that 
you really care about. And maybe it's a small thing like a bench or an ottoman. And I would spend a little bit more, like buy a yard or two yards of a really luxe fabric because that will show the piece of furniture off and um, really make it special to you. So I would go for the more expensive in a small amount. Go look at the back of the sample book or don't necessarily buy furniture with what's available and uh, readily available and in stock. The in-stock choices are going to be the, well, the most dull. <laughs> you know, usually they're the most generic, you know, so they suit every one and every look. Maybe you want, might want to wait if you're going to invest in a large sofa. Go for something a little more special so you can get it in a fabric that you really want. And I would recommend waiting for something like that. It's worth it. Then I would say be bold. In the same way that I think about paint, like in a jewel box setting or in a powder room, something to be bold and take a chance with, fabric is the same thing. It's, it's replaceable. It really can make a difference. And uh, it's something that you should take a chance with. It'll be a fun project, either for you to do or for you to send out and have done. I know one of the secret places that you can find cool pieces can be an upholstery shop where someone has chosen a fabric that they thought they were going to love, and it turns out the piece did not turn out the way they wanted. You could have an opportunity to buy something really inexpensive with very expensive fabric on it. It's so true. It's the same as a lampshade company store that I, I go to all the time. They make custom lampshades, and I often buy the ones that were paid for but left behind. It's the same thing with an upholstery shop. You never know. There's going to be fabric orphans there. Yeah, there are fabric orphans. <laughs> there are furniture orphans. They're yeah, really. You can give them a good home. Yeah. We just need like Sarah McLaughlin to sing us a little song <laughs> for her fabric pieces. I love it. I love it so much. You guys, this is a project you can completely do on your own, but also there's lots of help with people like Beth who are 100% willing to look at your projects if you send a picture in. And I know, Beth, you're eager to give them feedback. I am the decorator by your side. DM me your pictures. I'll give you sources. I'll give you options. And I will give you my definitive opinion. Beth's got opinions, you guys. You want to you want to get some of those for sure because they're going to help steer you into something that's far more innovative than you were probably willing to go. She's going to push you a little bit. I am. Beth, where can they reach you? They can reach me on Instagram at Beth Kushnick uh, through my website, which is coming out in winter of 2023. You guys, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home at Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave a five-star review. It helps a lot in the promotion of the show. Five stars, people. Thank you so much for listening. Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home is an original Pod Clubhouse production. Recorded, edited, and produced at Pod Clubhouse Studios. 
For more information, please visit us online at podclubhouse.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Decorating the Set at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.